One of my favorite uh, additions that um, our, our brother Dan Burgess has added to our worship services when he gets up here and he says, welcome home. I, I just love the, the warmth of that term because we think of, of home as being a secure place. We, we think of home as being a place where people have to love you no matter what. Amen. Now, now some of you may have never experienced that in your home growing up. It is our prayer that as you come to this church family, that you experience that kind of, of sense of home. Well, what I'd like to say today is that we want this to be a safe place. And let me give you a few different ways I think it's important that you find safety in this building. First of all, spiritually. We want this to be the place where you can ask the hard questions. Where we don't have to agree on everything. I hear a lot of people intimidated because they go, I don't really know my Bible very well. That's okay. I think probably all of us would say the same thing. So we want you to feel free to come in here and say, what about this? And how do you feel about this? And how about this verse? And, and be safe to ask those questions. We also want this to be a place that's safe emotionally for you. That, that you don't have to come and leave your feelings and your hurts and your pains out here. So many churches, it seems to me, that I've been a part of, you have to walk in and you got to fake it, you know, for the next hour. I just think about the things that were said on this front row last Sunday morning. Let me read some of those. Ashlyn Poole said, It's time I come back. I'm very far away from God. My heart is heavy. I want to come back to God. I want to become stronger in my faith and start living for Him. I haven't been doing that. I've been selfish and worldly. I haven't turned to God when I should have. Don Gillum came to celebrate. I thank God for my period of brokenness because on the other side is joy and peace. Hope Sheehy was honest enough to say over a month ago, I was and I am hurting. I I try to pretend that everything's fine, but it's not. I've been trying to heal my broken pieces on my own, but I need Jesus. Please pray that he returns the love, joy, and everything I lost. Is it okay for Hope Sheehy to come in here and not pretend? Absolutely. That's what a family's all about. Laura Clemens, I'm broken and so hurt over my mom's death. I had to say no more resistance and feeling so guilty. Please pray for me. Abby Stevenson, I've been allowing pride to consume me for too long. I want to let go and humble myself to the servant's heart I'm called to be. Pray that God will destroy my pride and give me opportunities to be bold for Him. Hannah Bradford, I am broken. I don't have any words. I'm just broken. Melanie Golson, I have to let the trials and storms, I have let the trials and storms overtake my thoughts and my depression is out of control. I ask for prayers to heal my brokenness and get me through the storm. Chase Harris, instead of giving my brokenness to God and letting him use it, I've let it use me. I've let it fill me with feeling of being unworthy. My prayer today is to let God use my brokenness to realize that he can heal those broken things and make them whole. Michael Duckelberger, wisdom, strength, I need prayers for that. To overcome bad habits and patterns, to be worthy of my wife, to be a better husband. More worthy of the love of the church, God and my wife have shown me. Austin Saunders, I am broken and need prayers to quit drinking. I will put it down. I text Austin this morning. He has been alcohol free this week. Could you give a hand there? 
Malia Kitten, I'm broken in two. But the Lord, help the Lord to help me to learn and not ignore it. David Bratton, please pray that I've not kept anybody from knowing God by my actions. Pray that I become selfish and I put others first and me last and that I can forgive myself. Dawn Ritter came with a prayer of thanksgiving for her son Brock, who has been in the hospital several times. But he hasn't had anything to drink over the last few months. We've been praying about that for years. Jessica Dawes. In my life, I face many trials and testing times to the point where I thought, what else do I have to lose? I'm tired of being strong for everyone. I'm ready to be broken and vulnerable to everything God gives me. And then David Hendricks, one of our guests, I come broken, I'm a sinner, and I'm giving up all my addictions, all my sins, and I'm seeking God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness. I'm on the path to be the best man I can be following Jesus. My friends, I'm going to tell you, that doesn't happen unless you guys become safe. Now, I really don't like churches that brag about themselves a lot, that have a lot of self-promotion, but I'm just going to stop for a moment and say this. I do not know any other church where that happens. I mean, it's special. We need to celebrate that. Most churches don't even give you the opportunity to say those kind of things, more or less for people to be that honest and open. And so, my friends, we want this to be a safe place for you emotionally. We want this to be a safe place, one more thing, physically. Uh, we, we've never talked about this, but I want you to know this. We've gone to great lengths to make this a safe place. You know what goes out in the world. You've heard of the shootings even in churches. And so the last few years, without you even knowing, we've hired a police officer to always be in the parking lot. We have trained security volunteers that are there every morning from 7.15 to 12.15. Um, we have um, in our children's ministry, you know there's a security check-in. All of our children's volunteers are asked to take a background check. We have installed a campus-wide security system that if, 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 let's say today we had had bad weather, it would have immediately verbally told you what to do or something else dangerous has happened, you would be told exactly instructions to do in the moment. We've got over 20 members working behind the scenes in this security team. And I want to tell you who heads it up. Brian Jackson, Bruce Chestnut, Mark Lovett, and Eric Marlowe. Would you give these guys a hand for protecting us? You see, we, we want this to be a safe place for you in every way. But think about this for a moment. Who would have dreamed even 20 years ago that we would need to have a security team? But here's what we know. Our culture is quickly changing on us. And, and we can put our head in the sand and act like it, or it's not changing, or, or we can do the things, both positive and negative, to respond to that. Like the security. I, I think about things like communication. You know, I, I'm at the old school. We're about to have an event. I think, let's send a letter out. Nobody reads letters. We, we sent a postcard out to all the neighborhoods about this incredible party we had yesterday. I met a lot of people. Few people came off the postcard, but a majority of people I met came from where? Facebook. And, and so we, we even communicate different than technology. Guys, you, you see all this up here? I mean, I can remember when it was a big deal when we had an overhead projector right here and a little screen. And we didn't do it, but before church. Things change, and we have to change. Worship styles change. 
You know, I remember talking to a preacher friend of mine one time that was a little uncomfortable about our worship style. And he said, buddy, I can tell the members of my church the same way we worshiped 20 years ago is the way we're going to worship now. And the same way we worship now is the way we're going to worship 20 years from now. And I thought, congratulations, you just made your church irrelevant. Listen, if you think 1950 was equal to AD 33, you're big mistaken. Worship styles have always changed. And my friends, I want you to know that the leadership of this church has a commitment to make whatever changes we need to make to be able to reach people in a biblical way. We're not going to give up on that. In fact, this is pretty interesting. Let's all being together today. Because we have sort of a one style at 815, one style at 1045. Frankly, I love them both. And today, here's what we've done. Because we're all together, we're doing communion served at your seat like 815. Jeremy's used the song selection that would have been at 815, not 1045. We've got the lighting of 1045. We've got a standing worship team like 1045. You know, history will record this as the great compromise of 2019. (laughs) My friends, we're going to be on the move and flexible to do what happens because some things have got to change and some things must never change. Let's get into our message. We must change. 1 Corinthians 9.22. Paul is explaining his missionary philosophy. When he's with Jews, when he's with Greek, he changes style because they're different cultures. And we live in a different culture than we did just 20 years ago. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.22, To the weak, I become weak to win the weak. I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Paul says there's different cultures and different styles and approaches. Paul says we've got to be willing to change. If not, what I'm saying is, if I'm saying it's got to be my way, the way I grew up, the style I like, what I'm saying is, it doesn't matter if lost people don't connect with it. And I don't think any of us want to say that. Because there are some things that never change. Listen to the next verse. Verse 23. I do this, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Paul, why do you do that? You're a Jewish guy. Why do you go to Greek guys and Gentile guys and act differently? Because I've got to get the gospel to them. Listen to me, my friends. It's always more important for the gospel to reach someone than for you and I to be comfortable. And Paul says that that, that's what I'm willing to do. And so he says, man, there's some things that change and there's things that never change. And one thing that never changes is the mission of God. You know, in our church, we state the mission this way. We want to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's just Matthew chapter 28. I mean, you may reword it, but you better never change it. I hear people say, you know, buddy, we need a new mission, man. We need to get fired. We got this thing. No, we don't. The mission has been given to us from the moment Jesus ascended to heaven and said to his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples. That doesn't change. And so here's what I'm talking about today. I want to talk about the things that never change. I want to talk about what we need is some persistence. It's one thing to get fired up and get going. It's another thing to do it for your life. I I love the stories in the book of Acts when the church explodes and the Jewish authorities get so mad. They threaten them. and, And Peter and John say, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. And their life's getting threatened and they say, 
We believe there's so much we can't shut up about it. Well, that's, that's pretty nice at the beginning. What happens when your life is really on the line? Well, go a chapter over. Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. Here's our words. They never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. They just never stopped. You ever known someone real persistent? Don't point fingers, okay? You know someone real persistent? Now, there's this lady I've encountered for the last six months. Her name is Ruthie Manning. Uh, there, there's some study out there called the National Congregation Study. And, and she started calling me, like I say, about six months ago. And it was a real busy time. And it just sounded like one of those sales calls. So I just never responded. Normally I'm pretty good about, but I just like, I'm too busy. I don't, and she's supposedly from the University of Chicago and Duke University and they're doing this. And supposedly one of you nominated us, okay? So if you nominate us for this day, please let me know and I'll feel better about this. And so I've just disregarded her. She has called about a thousand times, less voice messages. She's emailed me. I mean, she's actually sent a snail mail. She sent a letter. I mean, just over and over again. So finally, Wednesday, I broke down and I took her call. And, 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 you know, she was so nice. She didn't act like I disregarded her. She, she, she was not. In, in fact, she remembered when she'd called me back in January and the secretaries had said, buddies in Huntsville were his daughters having twins. And so one of the first things Ruthie Manning said to me is, how are your twin grandbabies doing? I'm now feeling so guilty. I'm like, this girl is relentless. I'm going to do this national congregational study. It's almost like Tim Lee. Have you ever watched Tim Lee in action? He's so sweet, smiling, those big brown eyes, you know, tearing up half the time. I mean, just always, I mean, so nice, you know. But beneath that, he is going to wear you down. Buddy, you read my text message. Did you watch this video? Did you do this? Oh, when are you going out of town? I need to know when you're going out of town. I'm in charge of that. I mean, it's over and over and over. I mean, he's just relentless. I remember we were, we were going after a gridiron speaker a few years ago, Dr. Kevin Elko. And so he was speaking downtown. Tim said, would you go with me? Well, Tim had fallen all over the south. I thought maybe I'll go with him. So I, I go down there and we're in the lobby and Kevin Elko comes around into the door. He sees Tim Lee. He says, Oh my goodness, man, you are stalking me. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you guys. That's the kind of persistence we're talking about today. That we start and that we don't stop. And I'm just going to give you some examples today of some things we should never stop doing, okay? Number one, we should never stop believing. If we're going to share our faith, it's going to issue forth from a heart of belief. It is written, I believe, therefore I've spoken, Paul says. Since we have that same spirit of faith and we also believe and therefore speak. Listen to this, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Why does Paul say God's people won't stop sharing? Because they can't stop believing. My friends, if you're not sharing, you better look and do you really believe it? And next Sunday, we'll talk about the thing that changed Paul's life. It's the thing I'll tell you about my own life that convinced me that this is true. It's the resurrection of Jesus. My friend, if Easter is true, and if we believe that, it changes everything. So the question I want to ask you as we get started on this list is, do you really believe that Jesus resurrected 
And He's the Son of God. And He came to bring you good news and not bad news. Do you believe it? Amen. Thank you. All right. Never stop believing. Second, never stop praying. Here's what Paul says. Here's Paul, probably the most bold evangelist of all time. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for whom I'm in chains. Paul's in prison. And he's still saying, make me bold. Pray that I will say it. You see, here's what you need to do this week. You need to talk to God about your friends and neighbors and relatives and co-workers before you talk to your friends and neighbors and co-workers about God. You hear that? You need to talk to God about your friends and neighbors and co-workers before you talk to your friends and neighbors and co-workers about God. Because God is going to answer those prayers. You see, guys, sometimes we think about going out and, and sharing our faith, and I think, boy, it's, it's all on me. My, the, the greatest evangelistic tool we have is prayer. Never seen it when you're praying about it and God doesn't give somebody. Oh, I'm going to tell this story. I've told it a thousand times. You'll understand at the end of the service why I'm telling it. Years ago, Michael Jordan was the best NBA player like LeBron James to you guys, all right? And one night, he scored a record 69 points. And after the game, obviously, everybody's crowded around Michael Jordan's locker and all the reporters want to talk to him. One lady reporter can't get in close enough, and she sees a rookie point guard named Stacy King over at his locker. Now, Stacy King didn't play much. He got in the game for a couple moments. He was fouled. He shot two free throws and only made one. And so the woman finally says to him, I can't get to Michael Jordan. Can I talk to you? Uh, Mr. King, what will you remember about tonight? And Stacey King answered, I'll always remember it as the night that Michael Jordan and I combined for 70 points. <laughs> I love that. Guys, and when it comes to us sharing our faith, it's not us. It's when we combine with God and we ask him. Let's go to the next point. Never stop investing. But Paul says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Guys, in a culture that is turning more and more away from Christianity, that's really leery about us, Paul's got the key here. We've got to live it out. It's, Paul would say, we need to make the gospel attractive. So never stop investing. When you're in a classroom, invest in that person. It's your work. Care about people. Stop and talk. You know, when you're teaching school, man, be the, the teacher that cares more about the students in the name of Jesus than anybody else. You invest. And, and for most of us, that's the way it starts. I remember when I first got really, really convicted about needing to share my faith. I was a freshman at the University of Alabama, and I knew I needed to go to class. And so I'd sit there in class, and I would think what I'm supposed to do on the first day of class is turn around and say, do you know Jesus? Are you going to heaven or hell? Let me know right now. And, and you know what? I, I got too scared to say a word. Finally, I figured I didn't need to say that. What I needed to do is to walk in that class and be friendly. What I needed to do was if we had a study group, be the most helpful person in the study group. What I needed to do was care about that person so at some point I would have that chance to share. So you invest. And then the next point is never stop inviting. Jesus talked about his kingdom being like a banquet. Well, for us, that's a party. Man, the first century Jews knew how to throw parties. We'd be embarrassed by it. And Jesus says, here's what you do. When you give a banquet, he's talking about his banquet, the kingdom of God, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. 
Man, I love this, guys, because I think this changes the way you invite. What are you inviting to? Man, if God's boring to you and church is boring to you, you're going to invite some, man, you know, we're having Easter next Sunday and the preacher made me feel guilty about it and they actually gave me these little cards and um, you probably wouldn't want to come, but I mean, if you would, it'd make me feel better, please. I mean, you know, that's like inviting to party. That's like inviting to a Tupperware party. <laughs> I don't know what goes on to those things, but I don't want to know. Oh, my goodness, is your lid tighter than my lid? I mean, what do you say? I mean, guys, what, what we've got to do is we've got to be ready to invite. And, man, God will, God will bless that. So, okay, I'm a, we're going to take a little time out in the message for a second do some business here. First of all, uh, let me tell you about what's going to happen next Sunday. We're beginning a new message series called Raised to Life, okay? Uh, show, show that, that screen if you can. Raised to Life. And, and this is a, a three-week message series. And, and next Sunday, we're going to talk about, besides Jesus, the most pronounced person in the resurrection story, and it's going to surprise you who it is. And how Jesus changed their life. So we're going to have a great time talking about the power of God to change lives. It's a great message for your friends who may not know Jesus or aren't following Jesus actively right now to hear. And, and then we're going to follow up that Sunday with a two-week series, part of that, called Raise a Life about baptism. Uh, about how baptism is more than a legalistic work. Baptism is the way that I participate in the death, burial, and yes, the resurrection of Jesus. So here's what I'm hoping. We're all going to get busy out there inviting. We're going to be able to get them here next Sunday. And, and then they're going to stick with us for a couple of weeks. And then hopefully there will be some people that are ready to make their decision to follow Jesus. So I'm excited about that. So here's what I want you to do right now. Uh, Jeremy said to, to wait, but I want you to take out your connection card now, okay? Now is when we want to fill out our connection cards. If you're our guest, we ask you please put as much information as possible. If you're our members, can I, can I remind you of something? Here's our goal when we fill out connection cards. This will be really important next Sunday. We want to all fill them out together. You're not doing us a favor by filling them out early. Because we want, if there's a guest sitting on your row, and, and Dan or Casey get up and say, fill your card out, we want your guests to see everybody's doing it, okay? So, so fill out, members, fill out your card. Guests, fill out your card. Give us as much information as you're, you're wanting to give us. Now, here's what we're going to do a little bit different today. On the back side of the card, I want to ask you to write down some names for your leadership. Nobody else can see this. For the leadership of this church to pray about that you're going to invite for Easter. Okay? I mean, you probably know those. I can start putting some right now. Just take the time right now, fill your card out, put those names on it. Now, we had a lot of people get invited last Sunday to Easter. I mean, last, yesterday to Easter. I, went, I think the estimate was we had at least 600 people here. Every one of them got an Easter invitation card. Now, now who are we going to keep inviting? Write, write down those people. So write that down. In just a minute, we're going to take these up, okay? So, so be ready to put your card. We need everybody to put a card in the basket today, okay? Because we, we, we believe in the power of prayer in this church, right? And so, so we're going to be praying about these names, that God will open a door. So, so please write that down. And then, as the baskets come around, 
and you got your prayer request, we want you to put it in the basket, and you're also going to reach in the basket and get as many invitation cards as you think that you could use this week. Don't go, we got, we got lots of them printed. So it, it, it's always so helpful to hand an invitation card out. Okay? I just, it's, now I want to tell you guys, I'm not asking you to do something I don't do. I came to the neighborhood party yesterday, a lot of us had a chance. After the neighborhood party, I could, I could name the names, if you corner me, of four people I invited the rest of the day. My commitment to you is I'm going to invite everywhere I go. When I go to lunch today, I'm inviting. Okay? And this is such a great tool. And the four people I invited yesterday, I think probably at least two of them may come. So, so you're going to have this basket. The guys are about to come down the aisles, put your connection card in, and you grab as many invitation cards as you think you'll use. Don't grab more than you're going to use. But grab as many as you think you could use. Maybe overestimate that, okay? So, guys, if y'all go ahead and come down the aisle and bring the baskets, uh, we're going to do that. So this is a great opportunity. We're going to pray about the people you know that you're going to invite. And then we're also going to pray that God will open doors to somebody you just meet out there. So never stop inviting. So if you guys will let me, I'm going to keep preaching while these guys are going out down the aisle and you do your thing uh, with these baskets. Now, the next point is never stop welcoming. This is what's going to be important next Sunday. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 15, 7. So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it. He welcomed you. Now you do it. Now, let's, let's just be real practical for a second. When our guests come in here next week, or out in that front lawn, it's like a first date. Do you realize in a first date, people decide in the first 15 minutes whether they'll go out with that person or not? Again, it's just a, it's a gut level fit. Do you recognize the same statistic is true about church? Within the first 15 minutes, they're going to decide if they're going to come back. And that's why it's so important, guys, because you've been to unfriendly churches that we greet people. Now, what used to really scare me back when we did the old-fashioned greeting, and we made you guys greet, is, is uh, we would announce it up here, and I'd look back there, and I'd see some new people, and I'd see some of you just sitting there. You're, you're not about to move. You're not getting your tail out of your pew. It's your pew. I mean, you are just, just going to sit there. You know what I mean? And, and guys, that's scary. It's bad enough to not be friendly, period. It's even worse when the preacher asks you to be friendly, okay? So we don't do that anymore. But what we're counting on is that you and I are going to be out there, and, and we're going to be out there. You're going to look for everybody you can. Now, I hear a lot of excuses about this. I, I hear people say, um, you know, what am I going to do, buddy? I might meet someone, and they've been at Lambert 20 years, and I didn't know them. That's all right, guys. We all do that. Every Sunday I do. You know, you know what I've learned to say? Hey, so glad to meet you. How long you been at Landmark? I've been here 20 years. Oh, great. I'm so sorry we hadn't connected before. This is my first week. Fantastic. Glad that you're here. It's not that hard to overcome. Here's what bothers me. Let me just get on this for a second. Some of you out in the world, you teach, you coach, some of you are salespeople. And I've heard some of the very people that are salespeople say they're uncomfortable or they don't speak to people at church. So, here's what you're telling me. I will stretch myself to make money, but I won't stretch myself to welcome people to our church. That's pretty bad. 
And then some of us say, well, we're introverts. I got that. I understand that. But, but listen to me. To, to, to say that you're an introvert, that doesn't mean you don't speak to people. It means you don't speak to everybody. I'm, I'm an extrovert. I want to talk to everybody I can, right? An introvert, is, it doesn't mean you don't, you don't speak to people. It just means you're an introvert. You're better one-on-one. You're probably actually better in greeting than an extrovert. Just think about this. Just go with me logically for a second. If you're an introvert and you're saying, I don't speak to people because I'm an introvert, if you logically followed that out, you would never build a relationship with anybody. You don't go to work and say, I'm sorry, boss, I don't speak to you, I'm an introvert. I mean, it it just does. I'm not asking you to be Mr. or Ms. Extrovert. I'm asking you, when you see somebody, to be warm and friendly. There are people sitting in this audience right now because they've been to churches that were not warm and friendly. And there are probably people sitting somewhere else because we weren't. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. So never stop welcoming. So let's go to the last point here. Never stop asking. Here's what the Bible says. Today is the day of salvation. The time of God's favor is on you. You can't read that verse. Today is the day of God's salvation. Guys, after we have believed and prayed and invested and invited and welcomed, there's always going to come a point where somebody's got to say to somebody, are you ready to follow Jesus? And that takes some boldness. It's, are, are you, you know, okay. I mean, man, you've been coming we tried to win you over. Hopefully we changed your image of Christians. Maybe you've seen that church is not a fake place here. It's a real place. And man, you've been hearing about Jesus. Okay. You ready to follow him? Now here's what I want to tell you. We're going to help you out with that the next three weeks. If you'll get your friends here, we will bring them to that point. So please do. So if I... Would I could ask you, are you in favor of these things? Are, are, are you in favor of believing the gospel? Are you in favor of praying? Are you in favor of investing and inviting and welcoming and, and asking? Are, are you in favor of that? I mean, I'm guessing nobody would say I'm not in favor of that. I'm talking about things that never change. I'm not talking about controversial. I'm talking about things that never change. But, but here's, here's what I think... We're missing, often including myself. We're missing the urgency that goes with persistence. We all think it's a good idea. We'd all like it to happen, but we're not urgent about it. And Satan wins. We we get so excited and so urgent about so many other things we want to do, but the thing that's going to matter for eternity, the way we invest in heaven of of embracing people and inviting them into the kingdom of God is the very thing so often we are not persistent in doing. And I know that's part of Satan's work. So so often I see some of you out here, we've we've seen a lot of people baptized the last couple months, man, and you are so on fire for God. Love talking to Tim Kane, Tim Keen, and been so fired up for that. And yet some of us, we, we, we almost predicted, okay, I wonder when it's going to go away and he's going to be dull like the rest of us. That was funny, wasn't it, Jeremy? Thank you. Um, guys, you know what it ought to be? 
Every one of us should be more fired up than Tim King. Because we've known the Lord more. We've experienced the Lord longer. We've embraced the blessings. Your fire shouldn't go down the older you get. Your fire should go up. So let me just ask you one more question. Have you stopped? Are you doing the things we talked about? I don't think any of you would argue these are biblical ideas. Are we doing them? And I'm going to tell you what I shared with you my friend said to me last week. Because we don't use this kind of language enough in our church anymore. And we sure don't use it about this. And it really belongs. If you've stopped, you need to repent. You see, we look at this kind of stuff as optional. Because I'm not saying everybody does it the same way. Extroverts, introverts, what? I'm not, I'm not saying that. But we all have a role in it. This is not something God said, well, if you like to do that, if you're called to do that, that's sweet. But, but, but every, no, no, no. This is something we've all been called, my goodness. We can all greet people. We can all put an invitation card on a next door neighbor's door. We can all do something. So, today maybe we need to have some repentance that we have stopped. That life is, you know, maybe you've never came to a decision, I'm going to stop doing these things, but your life became so busy with kids or job or you name it, or you let Satan convince you, you don't have the personality to do it. Man, you see, here's the, the cool thing about different personalities. You'll reach people I can't reach because your personality's different. And so, so for some reason, you've stopped. Today, man, I'm not here to send you on a guilt trip. I'm here to tell you to repent. That's not guilty. That simply means you. You turn. And you begin to do the things God has called you to do. My friends, we have established a beautiful, safe place in this church. You know what happens? I remember a lady coming a few years ago to a big day like Easter. And I called her that afternoon. And we had some open sin confessed in the front row about pornography. And then I got her on the phone. I said... How did you do this morning? She said, I hadn't been to church in 20 years. Man, first of all, I thought the roof was in cave in. And then second, when those people confessed their addiction to pornography, I thought everybody should be snickering and laughing. And all I saw was tears and all I saw was embracing. And then I said to myself, I might could make it in this church. Because we got a safe place. God set it up for us to get out there and be bold. And today, if you need to publicly repent and ask the church to pray for you to be bold, before we get out of here, come right now while we stand and sing about our belief.